are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. Let's turn to God's Word today, um, John chapter 13, and we are in our Discover series, Discover Jesus, Life in His Name, and Jesus came in the book of John, Uh, John chapter 1 tells us that He dwelled among us full of grace and truth, and He came as a human, He emptied Himself of everything that He was, and He came specifically for two reasons, one was to show God to us to reveal what God was really like, not necessarily what we've been taught or you've been taught or what this world says it's like, but from the words of Jesus, what God is really like, and then to provide a way for us through His cross that we can have life eternal. And this week in John chapter 13, and I want to share this, the main point is that knowing Our identity in Christ empowers us to live like Jesus lived. And when we live like Jesus lived, we reap the fullness of God's joy, God's peace, God's abundance, God's power, God's presence, God's security in our life. And so let's read the Scriptures. And this the background of this is that the first... Uh, 12 chapters of the book of John was John was, was Jesus' uh, public ministry where through his words and through his miracles and how he acted and engaged people showed to us like what God really is. So that God is the light. That uh, Jesus said, I am the bread of of life. And so receiving Him gives us life that comes from God. And then the miracles, turning the water into wine and healing the paralyzed person. Uh, So many miracles show us that God is greater than our present situations and our circumstances. And how many here have had a miracle in your life? God's touched you. God's transformed you. God's done something in your life that isn't ordinary And we're here by the grace of God. And so we come to chapter 13, and this is the week, this is the week of of, uh, his going to the cross. He's entered into Jerusalem, and we're at the Passover meal, where he breaks bread with just his disciples. That's all that we know that's there, is only his disciples. This is getting real private now. Just his disciples. And Uh, The Bible says that he knew that his hour had come, and from John chapter 13 on through 17 is the last words of Jesus that he spoke to them before he went in the garden and and was betrayed by Judas, and then he would be suffered, he, he would be crucified, he would hang on the cross to pay this penalty for your sins and mine, but then he would resurrect 
again the third day. Can someone say praise God? Praise God for the resurrection. Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. And so that we could have life in Jesus Christ. And so John chapter 13 says this, verse number 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, and having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him, and that he had come forth from God, and that he, Jesus, was going back to God, he got up from supper, he laid aside his garments, his, his outer garments, and he took a towel. That was, the, that was the, the symbol of the slave. That was not only the symbol, that was the tool of the trade. He girded himself with this, then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, and Simon Peter said, Lord, do you wash my feet? In other words, you're not supposed to do this. You're going to wash my feet? You're not supposed to do this. And Jesus said these words to him, what I am doing, you do not realize now, but you will understand later. And Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no place with me. Now, the background for this is that the only ones that were to wash feet in that culture, were literally slaves. They were owned by the master of that household. And foot washing was considered such a menial, lowly task. How many know that washing feet can be smelly? Yeah. That even the Jewish slaves, and there were, there were slaves in the Bible time that for instance, if they owed a debt, or some would sell themselves as a slave. In other words, in exchange for the security of that household, they would voluntarily, they would become a slave, and some were slaves um, by intention because they were so devoted to a master, they would say, I'm going to live in your house, I'm going to serve you forever and ever. That's why the Scripture talks about following Jesus Christ as a love slave to the Lord. We follow him because we want to follow him, not because we have to. But it was, it was this that only the slaves should do that and only the Gentile slaves, non-Jewish slaves should do it. In the middle of this meal, the Passover meal, Jesus, he gets up, and he takes the towel and he begins to wash the servants or the, the disciples' feet. Peter said, you can have, he said, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And what Jesus was 
saying to them the night he was betrayed was that what following me is all about is humble service to people and this was a foretelling of his death on the cross when he would empty himself of all that he was he would take on himself the form of a servant for you and for me and with his blood that was shed on Calvary the scripture says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins so there's there's three things that I want to share with you today how many have ever had your feet washed uh, no let's back up I hope everyone's washed their feet How many have ever had someone wash your feet as a spiritual act? What did, wow, what did that feel like? I've had the privilege of going on the uh, Emmaus walk. On the Emmaus walk, you're not supposed to talk about who you are, what you do, how much you earn. It's, you weren't even allowed a watch, let alone cell phones. So it was really, really funny and hilarious. Uh, I went in the summertime when the Orioles were playing, back when they were somewhat good, and, and the, the devious ways that we were able to get the scores from the night before. I mean, uh, you know, was, uh, but anyway, so it was this marvelous once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that we had, life-impacting. But one of the features that has stuck with me forever is that I was in this small group of somewhat four to six men and a young businessman who was African-American and God had called him to the ministry. He owned a very successful trucking business and he had surrendered that to the Lord, and he asked if he could wash my feet. I was a little uneasy. I don't like people touching parts of me, let alone my feet. And I still remember taking off my socks, and he had the basin, and I filled that with warm, soapy water. And he knelt down in front of me and he took my feet, size 13, and he washed them with his hands. Still feel it. Still feel it. My white skin, his chocolate brown skin, the presence of God flooded into that place and into my heart. And then it was my turn to wash his feet. There's something in that act, in that act that all preconceived notions were washed and cleansed away. And I can still feel those feet in my hand took the towel, wiped his feet. 
one of the last things that Jesus did with his disciples that he did rather than saying was to take the servant's towel and wash their feet. And he said, you're to wash feet because I've showed you, given you the example. Jesus was able to do this, the first thing is because he knew his identity. Verse 1 says that knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, and having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Just noting, notice that he loved them to the end. And verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him, that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. He came forth from God. He was going back to God. This life was an interlude. He got up from supper and laid his outer garments aside and he took a towel and he tied it around himself. Jesus knew where he came from and where he was going. And friends, in Jesus Christ, when our identity is in Jesus Christ, it allows us to serve. It allows us to do things in an extraordinary way that, does not, that do not necessarily compute with how this world measures greatness or getting ahead. But it touches the soul of men and women, boys and girls. Just think of it for a moment. Jesus, the one that Philippians says, He emptied Himself of all that He was he left heaven and emptied himself of all that he was. He was sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He emptied himself of all that he was. He took on himself a form of a servant. He humbled himself because he did not think it to be robbery, robbery to be equal with God because he was God, but yet he willingly emptied himself of all that he was. And Jesus said, I do this for you. He knew his time. He knew his purpose. He knew his power. But he loved the disciples until the end. We're going to see in verses 34 and 35 a little bit later on that he gives us a new commandment for his body and that's to love one another as Jesus loved us. He loved them till the end and so he served and he washed their feet the king of kings and lord of lords and that's what peter said you can't wash me it's always the inferior and not it's the the inferior ones or the inferior ones that wash the feet that don't have any choice that are enslaved and they're in these jobs and they don't have a choice they're the ones that are supposed to do this and not you But the thing that really blew me away, church, was that he washed even the feet of Judas. This blows me away. I get serving. I get, sometimes I get humility. I get being a man. I get this world. I get power. I get culture. I get all the things that this world says protect yourself 
Don't be vulnerable. Don't put yourself out there. Don't do that. What will people think of you? Don't do that. Hold your place. Hold your power. Hold your position. I get all that. But what I don't get is even the one who Jesus knew was going to betray him and lead to his death, he washed his feet. Uncommon love allows us to do those things. Love that's unconditional. Even when we know that someone will hurt us, Jesus calls us to love them. And if the occasion warrants, to serve them anyway. The second thing is, the servant is not greater than the master. Verse 16 and 17, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, a slave, a servant, is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent him greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Jesus showed them and us the way, his kingdom way, to deeply bless people and to win trust. Jesus chose to wash feet. Not because he had to, but because he had the power to. If you're from heaven and you're going to heaven, what are you gaining by washing someone's stinky feet? Foot washing, and I'm not, please understand, not trying to institutionalize a foot washing service. That's not what this is about. But this was symbolic of what we are to do as the followers of Jesus Christ. We don't serve people and wash their feet because they'll like us. Or that we're trying to ingratiate ourselves to them. Or Paul wrote, don't be men pleasers, treating them with eye, serving out of eye service only, but let us serve with genuineness of heart. I, I remember a, a scene that was sort of the opposite of this young man who washed my feet and forever touched my life because of it. Um, I, had the, I had the privilege for seven years, as many of you know, of leading our national church planning efforts in the Assemblies of God. And so I uh, had the wonderful opportunity to travel from Alaska to Hawaii. And uh, just what a great country, what a great people, what a great America, great country that we live in. In spite of all the warts and all the mess, uh, I still want to be, be here best. And... Uh, had the privilege to train several thousand to gather a national team um, to create curriculum to implement what was known as the church planting boot camps. We, there were several thousand that we trained, and it was just a, a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous time. Uh, we came we came back to grace uh, of our own free choice. The church had to vote us in, but grace had never left our heart. We'd started the church. We came back to grace. But I continued to serve 
voluntarily serve as a table coach in the church planting boot camps, are now called launch. And I was, I was no longer part of the paid staff, but I continued to serve because I believe in people and I wanted to help and I believe that churches should be planted. And most of the church planters were younger people. And so I was a table coach. Um, didn't get paid for it. Uh, there were no presenting fees. There's no nothing. But I just did it. And I'll never forget, one of my colleagues came up to me and said, look at you. Look at you. He said, you used to be the head of this whole thing. Now you're just a table coach. And I called him by his name. I said, I, I didn't know that position is what really counts in God's kingdom. I thought it was about helping and serving people. It's still true. Still true. When we serve, it touches hearts and lives. It blesses and softens hearts. When we serve, 1 Peter 4.11 said, serve by the strength which God supplies, by the strength that God supplies, so that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The other thing is this. Jesus said, when you serve, when you wash feet, he said, if you do this, you'll be blessed. So wash those stinky feet. Wash those feet. Look for feet to wash if you want the blessings of God in your life. It is significant. It makes a difference. We will be rewarded now or then. Either now or then. But how many know God is keeping the books? He sees every act of service. And one of the things that we're promised is that one day he's going to say, well done. My good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of my kingdom. So what if grace continues to be and becomes even more a foot-washing church? A foot-washing church. Smelly people. People not like you. People not like me. Can you imagine how God is going to use us and bless us? Use us so that God will be glorified through His church and through Jesus Christ. And I want to ask a question. Whose feet can you wash? Whose feet can you wash? Whose feet does God want you to wash? Jesus went on to say in verses 34 and 35, he talked about a new commandment. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If someone would say, um, what's the business model of the church? Um, we could say it in two words. It's not my pleasure. It's Love one another. Love one another. He calls us to a new commandment, to love one another. Is the new commandment, the old commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. 
In those days, you lived among people that were like you. That's why Jesus said in Acts chapter 1-8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's people like us, like us, our neighbors. Jerusalem, Judea, people that are not like us, that are among us. Samaria, people that are not like us at all. And the outermost parts of the world. A new commandment covers all of that. But love one another... Disciples, it starts with us in the faith community. Love, this quality of love that's unparalleled in the world so that the faith community is a place of safety and refuge. It's a place of uncommon affections and service that sets us apart from the world. He said, so all men will know that you're my disciples. We live in a world that is becoming very common and very, very ordinary, but Jesus calls us to uncommon love so the world may know. Love is the currency of the kingdom of God. It is not rules and regulations. Jesus did not come to earth and love you, and love me, and die on the cross because of rules and regulations. He came because God so loved the world. In fact, Paul said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not rules and regulations, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Serving God is not about boxes that you check off Check off, check off, check off, check off, check off. Okay, I must be okay. I've done all these things. It's about loving God and about loving people. In fact, there are some churches that don't even know what the word grace means. The relationship is about the church, not about the relationship with Jesus Christ. He's called us to a living, alive, and a loving relationship with him washing feet can be smelly but love covers a multitude of wrongs sin love draws condemnation repels i uh, um i looked i see eleanor McElwee here and when grace was first planted 27 years ago in Air high school by the way how many were there at that time. How many, there's a few of you were there. Yeah, this is the remnant. Yeah, there's a remnant that was when we, you were there when we were meeting in the high school. Let me put it that way. So, the first hospitality team we had was John and Eleanor McElwee. I'm telling you, walk in the door. They just loved people. They just hugged people. You just felt glad to be in the house of the Lord. They just set the tone. This is going to be a good day. You just felt that you were that special person that was there. Love draws people. Our condemnation repels people. I told the staff the other day this, this story when I was 13. So next to my home church, the church that my dad pastored, there was this lady in her 60s, and she was to live by herself, and she, she was just mean, mean, 
mean. I mean, I don't care that I'm mean. I'm mean. And so mean that when my younger brother kicked his football in her yard and she had a huge privacy fence, she wouldn't give my little brother his football back. Now, what is a woman or sixties going to do with a football? Just mean. And so uh, we went to a school that had no showers, no cafeteria, bring your own lunch. And what we like to do is go up to Elmer's little neighborhood store. How many of you, you know what the little neighborhood stores I'm talking about? Not much, but they knew they had licorice and candy. And they had pizza, 10 cents a slice in saran wrap or wax paper. Cold pizza, but it was good. And I still remember it. Ten cents a slice. In fact, I was, I was home lately, and I found out that same company still makes it, and I went in the gas station to get it. Just be warned, the gas stations aren't the best place to buy really good food. But there they had it, and just a little slice of, like this, like, holy mackerel. I, they said, that'll be $2.25. I said, what? Of course, minimum wage was $1.60 back then, so you have to compute that. So, but this lady, I don't know how it ever happened. Somehow she got in touch when I was 13 years old. She said, if you'll come and take the ashes out from my coal stove, two big containers of ashes every week, I'll give you $2. And I did. $2. Are you serious to a hungry 13-year-old? That's 20 slices of pizza. I was a rich man. Oh, my goodness. And I did it, and it was the same thing every week. Knock on the door. I'm here. Right. The basement's open. I have to go down, you know, like a Bilco door. When you're done, come back. She'd open the door, just stick out $2. That was it. Just that hand. No warmth. No nothing. Mean. But I liked that pizza, so I kept going. But one day, I forgot. How many know 13-year-old kids forget stuff? I forgot. I forgot. And I didn't remember till the next day. And I couldn't go back. I never went back again in my life. She was so mean, I knew I would get reamed out and I was willing to give up 20 pieces of pizza a week not to have to face her. But I also remember the adults in my church that loved me when I was a teen and I was doing some stupid stuff. Just crazy, stupid stuff. And I remember their loving me Back then, we used to have church on Sunday night and altar services, and I'd go up, and half the time I was praying, <laughs> confessing to God all the wrongs that I did. But these people, Sunday school teachers, board members, elders would come by, and they'd just lay hands on me. Oh, God, bless Paul. We thank you for his life. We thank you for the future that you have in him. And they knew what I was doing but it made me fall in love with the people of God and the church of God and the ways of God because love draws, condemnation repels, 
It's not about rules and regulations. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. The hallmark of God in our life is our love for one another. It's expressed in purposeful, foot-washing love, even for the Judases among us. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. Grace, followers of Jesus Christ, I want to challenge us today to fulfill the new commandment that the Lord has given to us. To let, to be expressions of the love of God in the world that we serve in. It's the currency of the kingdom of God. It's the one thing that melts hearts and leads people to Jesus Christ. Praise his name. Praise God. God bless. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the band to come. And I want to pray for you this morning as they're coming. I just sensed this morning that not only is there a great desire to serve God and love the Lord, but, but also there might be some here that are afraid of God's love. God wants you to know that he loves you. Just let God love you. Let God love you. Let God love you. When we invite Jesus Christ into our life, we enter that place. It's a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of forgiveness. This morning, if you want to take that step for Jesus Christ to say, Lord, I want to give you my life, I want to know your love in my life. I want to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you, will you do this? Just, just bow your head and say, I want to take that step with God. I want to receive salvation. I want to be a new creation so I can, I can love people. I can know that Jesus is, is my Savior. God is my Heavenly Father. If that's you this morning, will you just lift your hand right now and say, yes, that's me. That's I. I want to take that step. Would you lift your hand this morning? I want to take a step towards Jesus Christ. He stepped out of heaven, came all the way to earth because you and I couldn't go to God. But you say, I want to take that step and place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand right now? Just lift it wherever you are. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We receive your grace today and your goodness, your great love for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you humbled yourself of all that you were. You took on yourself the form of a servant. When we understand what you've done for us and where our identity is, Lord, we are able to serve and to love. We're able to serve in ways that is unparalleled in this world. And we bless you for it in Jesus' strong name. I pray these things. Amen. Praise God. Praise his name.